You're listening to the Jay and Dan Podcast. Dance. Dance. Oh, I'm off beat. You got me off guard there, stuff. I thought we were having a recap. That's going to be inserted in post. <laughs> As will the uh, timing of your uh, dance. Hopefully. Previously on the Jay and Dan podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm all by myself. I'm Dan. Jay's not here. Jay's on vacation. Kristoff is not here either. No Jay. No Kristoff. You're listening to the Jay and Dan podcast. Sounds great so far. Perfect. Where the hell's the volume out here? Okay, we're back in the radio studio. It's the week of August 12th. Jay Onright remains on vacation. He's on... Uh, we... Uh, it's, it's very strange. We always take vacations the opposite sides of the country. He's out west. I was out east. I'm back home. He gone bye-bye. Stoff is back. Welcome back from vacation. You went to the cottage? Yes, yes, I did. And? Very good time. Bugs, the bug situation. Um, honestly, not too bad. Uh, yeah, because it's too hot for the bugs right Exactly. Now. So the mosquitoes would come out like from, I don't know, 7 till 9, and that's about it. Outside of that, it was a... Uh, 7 to 9's mosquito time. Yep. Is the nursery rhyme I grew up with. Uh, doing some uh, housekeeping here as we try to find some of our guests. Uh, at the start of the week, it was going to be jam-packed with three guests, two people that have appeared before, one that never has. Now the two people that have appeared before, we can't find. And the other one that hasn't appeared will be here. That's going to be Michael Delzato, Stanley Cup champion, will be joining us on this podcast. The other one, I guess we can say... Bobby Roode, the wrestler, he's been on here before. We're from the same hometown. But we think he might be a part of Monday Night Raw tonight because he, he was in Toronto. All the wrestling was in Toronto over the weekend and into Monday. He really didn't have an assignment, but we're hoping that changed. And by now, uh, when you listen to this on uh, Tuesday, you'll probably have known, if you're a wrestling fan, if he was involved in Monday Night Raw. So we'll find out. We'll try to get a hold of him. And the, uh, the other person we wanted on this podcast, but he got called into action. We used to work with him at Fox. Former Detroit Tiger great, Dontrell Willis, the D-Train. I wanted to have him on because I went to Detroit again this past weekend. I have been to Detroit uh, twice in the past year. The last time was in like January. My lady and friend and I said, why don't we go to Detroit and watch a baseball game? She said, I don't care. I got nothing else to do. So I, I said, okay. She didn't say it that way. So fired up. Um, so drove to Detroit. Love it. The hot trend there right now that's sweeping America. You don't rent bikes. You rent motorized scooters. People are dying. A hundred percent. We saw guys just go through traffic, ignoring traffic laws because they can't stop the scooters. They're fast, too. We saw a guy drive through a flower bed. The scooter doesn't go through a flower bed. And the reason we saw them, aside from everyone riding them, we were walking down the street and they're just strewn across the sidewalk. Because when you're done with it, you just leave it. But it's got a little kickstand. You should leave it standing up. But most of them are just... You can see where people have taken them to the bar, and then they wisely did not drive them away from the bar. So we bombed around on those. That was a blast. And again, if you haven't been to Detroit in the last few years, it has had a stunning regrowth. Uh, starting in the downtown core, and they're going to spread out. And um, the, the energy there is great. Everyone's uh, loving the rebuild. And... Not loving the Detroit Tigers because they're the worst team in baseball. Went to see them. First time I ever went to Comerica Park. Love it. Because it's an outdoor stadium. And people say, well, the Sky Dome, it's an outdoor stadium when they have a roof open. No. Because in an outdoor stadium, there's so much more light coming in without a roof. I know when the roof's open, the sun comes in. But still, it feels like you're in a cave at Jays games. 
So went to Detroit, went to a Tigers game, uh, ran into um, this group of people, three of them. They were at a bar across the street. Oh, by the way, stuff. I was complaining about um, the Blue Jays not getting fans in for the first pitch of the game. Hey, Detroit, same problem. So Detroit, you also have to figure out how to get people into your stadium quicker. Anyway, uh, bought tickets from uh, a guy out front and uh, going to the... uh, Going to the line, I'm like, I'm not waiting for an hour. I don't need to see the first pitch of this game. I don't care who wins between the Tigers and Royals. I just want to see the stadium. I hope Alan Trammell is starting, is what I said. So I went over to this bar, and uh, this nice group of people came over, and uh, we started shooting the with them. And they're like, well, we're going to the game, too, from Windsor. I said, okay, you guys lead the way, because they said that we have a great place to watch it. So as soon as we enter, we go up a flight of stairs and walk into an open-air bar. We never move the rest of the game. So I could not have called balls and strikes by the eighth inning. If they said, Dan, we need an ump out here, I would have been, uh, strike? He drinks at lunchtime. Detroit. Hey, I saw a shirt. I actually can pull it up here. It was in the lobby of our hotel. Stayed at the Detroit Foundation Hotel. Used to be a fire station. They changed it into a hotel. Um, And the shirt that they were selling in the lobby. Say nice things about Detroit. Why not, eh? Uh, Some housekeeping before we get to our first guest. Uh, Michael Delzato, a gentleman sent me a message after listening to the last podcast in which I recap my trip out east. He said, hey, Dan, local Bedeck resident here, listening to your podcast, covering your recent Cape Breton vacation, and couldn't help but laugh in relation to your go-kart track sighting on the Cabot Trail. (laughs) The name of the place is the Lakes Adventure Campground, located on Lake Ola, But don't worry, your eyes did not deceive you about the odd sign. There is a sign about half a kilometer before the place that says, Hey, Dad, look, go-karts. Questionable marketing because my father never fell for it. Nonetheless, great spot, highly recommend. Um, I also wanted to read this one. It's just odd. I won't give out the person's name says, my boyfriend and I broke up, but he's a good dude and the biggest Jay and Dan fan you'll ever meet. If you come to Japan and see any comments or requests by the user, and she gave the username, he's a big fan and good tour guide. Am I missing something? So so is she pimping out her (laughs) ex-boyfriend to tour you around Japan? Yes. That's pretty good. You got your next vacation planned already. <laughs> Maybe he's got an RV. <laughs> hey, a good time. RVZ, I mentioned how I rented RV through RVZ. They sent me a message today. Said, hi, Dan. I was listening to the Jay and Dan podcast this week and heard you mention that you rented an RV through us for your trip to PEI. I just wanted to mention that we'll be sharing the podcast episode on our social media channels. Feel free to send me an email if you're thinking of going on another RV trip in the future. Also, do you mind me asking how you heard about us? And I said, Dragon's Den. They just love the extra miles you put on that car, eh? Oh, everyone's happy with my, my rental because that guy made it like gangbusters. Good old Dave. All right. Um, where are we in our situation with our two, no, our two uh, non-respondent guests? Uh, still non-responding. Okay. As of right now. Why don't we go to the one guy who confirmed his spot on the Jay and Dan podcast. Uh, he is a friend of SportsCenter with Jay and Dan. He had one of the most interesting seasons ever last year. I believe he was playing in a... Uh, he was playing golf today or playing in a golf tournament. Anyways, he was swinging the sticks. I did that uh, today as well. A shout out to our friends at Wooden Sticks. It's in Uxbridge. Uh, it's the course where they recreate the, the greatest holes in golf. Not going to lie to you. I was lights out on the back. I was 
sinking bombs. I was getting on in regulation. Shot a 42 on the back. Some of you might be saying that's nothing. Well, for me, that's like winning the Masters. For a total of 91, I was garbage on the front. That was my third, fourth round of the year. Don't play as much as I used to because my body hurts after I finish golf. Luckily, I sat in my hot tub that still is red. It's like you're sitting in a bowl of Campbell's tomato soup. <laughs> well, it's not that thick because that would be disgusting because you'd be... Unless you made your Campbell's tomato soup with water. And I hope you don't do that. Because that's disgusting. Come on, it'll be fun. Do we have our guest? Oh, Michael Delzato, when you make your Campbell's tomato soup, you use milk, correct? Uh, correct. <laughs> yeah. When was the last time you had it? Because I, I find now if I have a, a, a can of Campbell's tomato soup, I need to drink seven gallons of liquid after because you're so dehydrated. <laughs> I, I can't tell you the last time I've had soup, let alone that specific kind. What? Soup is not part of your off-season workout routine? No, it, it, no not at all. It's funny. Like, I play with guys that are like soup and sandwiches every day. Like That's like their thing. I, I can't remember the last time I've had a, a small, even a sandwich and a soup. So, I don't know. I think it's, uh, I think it's just like kind of how you're raised. I, I don't know. I'm not a, not a big soup guy. What the hell do you eat then? I eat sandwiches <laughs> every day. I'm a salad guy, believe it or not. I love a nice salad. Like okay. a, good, a good Cobb salad. Oh. I do like the Cobb salad. Good choice. Yeah. So you yeah, always throw in chicken on that salad? Yeah, yeah. Usually some sort of protein. I like get tuna. I make my own dressing at home, too, which is phenomenal. Hmm. Bit of a, it's a bit of a secret recipe, though, so <laughs> don't expect me to give you that one. <laughs> okay, I won't. Um, <laughs> I was just saying how you had one of these strange... Well, was it the strangest season of your career? Because you, you start on the Canucks, you go to the Ducks, and then you finish on the Blues, and, oh, yeah, you win a Stanley Cup. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, I, I don't think strange is even the word. of uh, crazy, bizarre, um, not, I mean, not how you expected it to go. I went into the year in Vancouver, I mean, pretty excited. I had a, unfortunately, we didn't make the playoffs last year, but I had a great year. I played all, all 82 games the first time in my career. You know, I've always had injuries, and that was a, a big goal for me. Uh, was to play all 82. I had a great year. I was expecting the same thing going into Vancouver. And for whatever reason, there was, uh, you know, they wanted to rebuild and go with the younger guys. And, you know, it's kind of how the hockey world is now. Uh, I go to Anaheim and everything was great. You know, I was playing with, with Cam Fowler, who, I mean, in my 10 year career was probably the best defense partner I'd ever played with. And he was one of those guys where, you know, right away we gelled. We had chemistry. We saw the ice the, the same way. We, um, we run off each other really well. And, I was happy again, and it's probably the happiest I've been in I don't know how many years uh, just enjoying hockey, playing with a great defense partner, and obviously living in California isn't too bad either. So uh, it was uh, an awesome time, and then from there we, we lose a couple games. We lose back-to-back divisional games before the deadline, and then uh, next thing you know, I'm on the move again to St. Louis. And uh, I mean, depends how you look at it. Unfortunately or fortunately, you know, they didn't have any injuries, and wasn't able to get in, but you get a cup out of it, you get a ring, and uh, a pretty special day, which I had you know, three or four weeks ago uh, at my place celebrating the Stanley Cup with uh, you know my closest family and friends, and uh, a moment that I know uh, anyone who came uh, will never forget. Okay, thanks for the invite. Um, <laughs> let's, let's uh, before we talk about uh, the season with the Blues and that cup run, okay, guide us through your day with the cup from start to finish. What, what, like, do they bring it to your house? Do you have to go to the yeah. airport and pick it up? Yeah, yeah, they bring it to your place. So they showed up at my house around 9 a.m. Um, I brought it out. I live in Etobicoke, so I brought it to uh, to Second Cup for a little bit. There was a bunch of people there. I had a little bit of a, a, a you know, 30, 30, 45-minute event there, and then I had it at my house the rest of the day. So I was pretty much at my house from 10 to... I want to say 8 p.m. So I had, you know, kind of a rotation of family and friends coming in. Some people came by just to hang out, get a few pictures with it. And then a bunch of people stayed for barbecue. We had, uh, obviously, a lot of a lot of alcohol, uh, <laughs> tons of beer, tequila, kind of everything. Um, it was special, a special, uh, really special for me. Just seeing, for me more so, seeing the excitement on my my parents and then and my brother's face um that's what i wanted to ask when when people walk in and see it 
are they overcome with emotion? Some of them. Yeah, it, it's it's hard to explain. Like it's almost like uh, the cup. It, it possesses people. You know, it's it's weird because you see it, and especially being in Toronto and uh, or Canada for that matter, you grow up and you don't really have a choice but to love hockey. And you know, every kid dreams of winning the Stanley Cup. So when my brother lifted above his head, it was probably the coolest moment of my life because he's the biggest hockey fan and knowing what my parents, what my brother went through to help me get to where I've been, where I, where I am in the NHL. It's uh, you know, it's really a family effort. And that was a, uh, was a special moment. So we had it at my house and as most brothers do, we played a, uh, played a bunch of games in the backyard, some pool basketball, cornhole, spike ball. We played a bunch of games uh, and obviously the winner, Gets the cup. the cup and drinking <laughs> yeah. out of the cup. Yeah, so that that was uh, that was cool. The only thing we didn't get to was playing mini sticks, which I wish we did. But oh yeah, that would have been so cool. Yeah, it's tough when you're trying to entertain forty people and then you sneak off just to get a quick game <laughs> of mini sticks in uh, in a basement when. You're 29, your brother's 32, so it's not the easiest thing to explain to everyone. Yeah, exactly. All those previous liquids you mentioned, were all those drank out of the cup? And did you have any food or, like, chips in the cup? Uh, yeah, the only the cool thing out of the cup, me and my brother had Golden Grams in the morning. That's a cereal we kind of grew up with. Yeah. Um, and then uh, tons of beer, tons of beer out of the cup. Uh, my dad, I mean, my dad and my mom, for that matter, aren't big drinkers, and seeing my dad... He was just guzzling the beer out of the cup. Like, I've, ne- I've never seen him like this. He was so excited. So that was pretty cool. And then uh, at the end of the night, we had uh, my one grandpa. We had his homemade wine out of there. So that was a, a special moment for him too, because um, you know it's unfortunate that he's the only of my grandparents that are still still living, and he watches every game. So. Um, he was pretty proud and uh, got emotional when that happened. I guess so. Uh, was the cup dented? Was it uh, because it's been in Canada for most of the summer? Because ninety uh, percent of that team was Canadian. Yeah, no, it's it's still in good shape. Um, I was not the next day. It's <laughs> it's brutal because no one else is allowed to lift it, right? So you're the only person that that can really. You have to have a hand on it at all times. Really? Okay. So yeah, so everyone who wants to drink out of it you're the one that has to lift it up. So you, you think from nine in the morning till I had it till midnight, nine to 12, anyone who drank out of it, and you say there's probably a couple hundred times people were sipping out of it. You're the one that has to lift it up. So I remember I, I got to a point, I was just, I'm really only having beer in the afternoon where my, I was starting to get dehydrated. My hands were cramping just from holding, <laughs> holding on to the cup the whole time. So as much fun as it was to have it, you can't wait to get rid of it as well, because you just, you want to rest and it's, it's almost a bit overwhelming having to be uh, keeping, an eye, keeping an eye on it. At, uh, what at happens, though? If you take your hand off it or if you leave it, do you get in trouble? Yeah, you get the uh, Carlo Koliakolo actually lifted it up. And uh, the guy um, the guy who's, I guess, the cup holder, there's a third, the protector, as you, however you want to call him, there's three of them. Uh, was not too pleased with it. So it was actually kind of funny seeing him give... Uh, give <laughs> I saw him, he posted time. that picture on social media. Yeah, which he probably shouldn't have either, but I mean, <laughs> he, was, he was proud of it, and it, it is what it is, and we, you deal with the aftermath, I guess. Yeah, because he lifted it over his head, and I guess you're okay to do that if you're retired? Uh, well, uh, I, guess, I don't know if that's a myth or not. If you're... You know, if you're playing and you're not allowed to lift it or touch it or whatever, uh, I'm not quite sure what the rules are, but he definitely did it, and um, I don't think it's going to affect him in the future. <laughs> and Carlo ate pasta out of it as well? Yeah, he had that. Uh, that was at Petro's, actually, Petrangelo's. He was there oh, okay. two days later. What yeah, is he? So he's, kinda, he's just like a cup groupie? I, I, I guess so. He's he, <laughs> the town cup groupie, I guess <laughs> you could call him. Uh, yeah, the first time I've seen that, but hey, it was, <laughs> It was, uh, he went from, I guess he came from my place, and then I think Petro had it two days later up in King City. So he was back and forth. And as soon as we won, he messaged us both and said, I'm coming to that cup party. So he was not letting us do that. We had no choice but to invite him. Um, so I, told, I, I told him he could come as long as he brought his wife, and he did. So it was, okay. it, it was a win-win situation. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, uh, what was St. Louis like? Uh, it's a big sports town. And what's the big food there? Fried ravioli? Yeah, the um, they, they have a, they have a name for it. I don't know why I can't think of it right now. I, I only had it once because obviously, it, it's you know soup and sandwiches aren't on my diet. I doubt fried ravioli will be too. <laughs> but uh, 
it's it's a great sports city, and you know all they have is baseball and hockey. Uh, I didn't really think much of it going into there. To be quite honest with you, any time I played there and was going in there, I was not. Uh, it was not a <laughs> not a not a city or a game I had circled on the schedule. It wasn't not a place you get overly excited about to go play or visit for that matter. But after being there and seeing how passionate the fans were, um, it was pretty special. It was the loudest building by far that I've ever been in, you know, louder than MSG when I played there in conference finals years ago. It was louder than Winnipeg. It was louder than Dallas, San Jose, Boston. Every rink we had played in uh, in the playoffs, it, it blew it out of the water. So until you go to a game there, especially playoff time, I think the coolest part is just all the traditions they have there with the different songs they sing and whatnot. Um, it's it's an amazing atmosphere to watch a hockey game. Are you sick of the song Gloria? Oh, <laughs> I was sick of it before I even heard it. <laughs> uh, it's not, not one of my favorites, not something I have on my, uh, on my playlist, that's for sure. Yeah, I know what's on your playlist. You're a DJ, aren't you? Yes, I am, and that's now, definitely not on my playlist. <laughs> so... I guess you weren't in St. Louis long enough to control the music, or were you? Uh, I had a couple. Uh, I had some of my, my playlists on there. Yeah, the guys definitely liked it. And, uh, that room was great for it because there was a lot of guys who were into house music and, uh, and the pump-up stuff, so there was no, uh, um, no one really fighting me on that. The only, the only time I got, a, I guess, a, a harder time was from Jay Bolmeister, obviously an older guy, pretty quiet. I used to be first in the rink, and you know, be seven, eight in the morning, and I'd be getting a lift in before guys got in, and I'd have the music full blast, trying to get an extra rep in or whatnot. And he'd come in, and, and he didn't have to say anything. He came in, and he just shut the door, and that's when I knew right away that okay, maybe I should turn the music down, or maybe just 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 shut it off. So it was, he didn't even have to to use his words, and I knew what he meant. And uh, then we had a mutual agreement later on, and everything was fine. Bo Meester, Jay, and I—we always laugh whenever we see him get interviewed because it's very rare. We're like, this guy has it all figured out. He's brilliant because he doesn't say much, and then people know not to really go to him for interviews, so he doesn't ever have to do interviews. Exactly, he's the one guy who's done it right. Yeah, <laughs> give him nothing, give him nothing, and they won't bother me. And no one's going to come talk to me after a game. Uh, away from the microphones, like with the team, does he actually talk? Uh, not a whole lot. You get him one-on-one, he will. He's a super nice guy, but he's definitely not one to speak in group settings or, uh, to, I guess, to be loud and obnoxious. No, <laughs> not at all. Um, so this coming year, you uh, it's a one-year deal with the Ducks, right? You signed? Correct. Uh, so is this uh, extra motivation after what happened last year where you you ended up playing on three different teams? Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. I think you you get to a point in your career where you understand, you know, who you are as a player, as a person, what needs to be done to be successful. And um, the thing is, last year, which the unfortunate part was, I actually thought I was playing better hockey last year than I did the year before. And the year before, I ended up playing 82 games. So um, as you get to the stage I'm at now, going into my 11th year, you know, 29 years old, you, you have to understand where the league is going, um, the politics side of it, um, what teams are trying to do. And there's there's a lot more that goes into it than just, you know, tying up your skates, going out there, giving your best and, and playing. You know, there's an understanding of, again, where, you at, where you're at in your career, what's expected of you, um, what you can and can't do. And um, that's part of maturing. That's part of having the experience. And although not playing last year, but having that experience of, uh, that deep cup run and, and winning is, uh, you know, something that uh, can't just be given. You know, you have to you have to go through that to understand what it takes the the ups and downs, the roller coaster rides of of the playoffs, the media, this and that. There's there's so much that goes into it. So mm-hmm. that's something that I can definitely take moving forward. And um, you know, there's definitely not a lot of uh, expectations uh, for our group this year in Anaheim. But I, I do like our team, and I and I liked your team a lot when we were the, when I played there last year. But now with some uh, young up and coming guys with a lot of skill, um, it's nice not having expectations. You kind of kind of be that sleeper team and come in and hopefully surprise some teams. And you can live in where will you live? Newport. Newport. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. So there's <laughs> definitely worse places to be. Yeah. Uh, and, so. Uh, and, the Sorry, best part ahead. of that, though, is the best part of that, and I mean, anyone who's ever had a job would understand. There's a lot of times where you take work home with you, which is is the most miserable thing in the world. Where there, there, that doesn't happen. You could have the worst day at the rink. You drive home. You got the beach. You got the ocean. It's 
I don't take work home with me here. Once that show ends, <laughs> I am squealing tires out of here, and I forget that yeah. I even work here. <laughs> well, you know what? I applaud you for that. Then um, we might have to, we might have to switch jobs. Yeah. Uh, so you've played over six hundred games in the NHL, and you mentioned how the league has changed. What is the biggest change, if, or or a couple changes since the time you entered the league to now? Uh, less tough guys a, a completely different style of game uh, I think when I came in there was definitely um, a little more accountability and, and things had to be earned whereas now because the league's getting younger and younger um, a lot of, of teams whether it's management um, coaches are overlooking uh, maybe some mistakes or some things that happen with young guys just because that's just the um, the way the game is going um, but you know, when I first came in, third and fourth lines were were still pretty much all all tough guys. Yeah. You know, it, it was uh, as a defenseman, especially if you're playing against the other team's third or fourth line, like you're taking a beating every single night. Now you don't have that nearly as much. The West is still a fairly physical game as opposed to the East, but um, it's very different in that regard. Um, obviously, you're every night you're seeing highlight real goals, highlight real plays, which still the fan in me loves that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you could come playoff time. It's still same old old school hockey, and, and that's what I love about hockey. And that'll never change, no matter what. And what it just, rules are, are brought in. The playoffs is playoffs. That'll never change, and that's the best the best thing about hockey. The first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs is the greatest of any sport on earth because there's nine million things happening at once every night. Exactly. You watch like to me one of the best series to watch was that. Was that Columbus? Uh, was it second round? Uh, like watching Columbus play, and that, and that's a torts torts mentality. I had it for four for four years, and you were like they were trying to beat the piss out of the other yes. team every single shift. It didn't matter who you were, you were trying to run that guy through the end wall, and and that's the part. And like you won't get that in the season. You come playoff time, every every inch of ice matters, and you you start developing developing that hatred and that rivalry, which unfortunately there's not many of those in hockey anymore just because of just the way the game has gone. So that's why playoffs is so exciting to watch because you now have that hatred for each other again and everything means means that much more. Torts. Oh, what a guy. Okay, we're going to play a game here. Um, okay. I'm going to bring up uh, guys that you used to play with, like one from every team, including one from junior, and you just... Uh, uh, you can say a word that describes them or a sentence or a funny story. Um, let's have some okay. fun here. So uh, okay, okay. a guy that is now um, a big deal in Toronto that you played with in junior, John Tavares. John Tavares. I, 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 got a, I have a ton of stories about him. Uh, can I give you a couple or do you yes. want just one? Yes. Well, give okay. me uh, all of them. Uh, obviously a phenomenal hockey player, great lacrosse player, um, but, but that's where it ends. <laughs> like this guy no no like we, we'd go we go outside we billeted together we lived together so we go outside our one other roommate who we played with was a huge jays fan so we go outside to throw the baseball around and it gets to johnny catches it and he throws the ball and and he looked like my mother who's never played a sport in her life i could not believe that I was like this guy is going to go first overall in the nhl and he cannot throw a baseball <laughs> I, 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 was, I was appalled I, I i actually couldn't believe it and then another thing he did, he was hilarious in junior. He, like, obviously, you know, at a young age, um, he had media all over him. And one thing I respected was how well he handled it. He was the biggest fruit gusher savage I'd ever seen. After every game, he'd take a box of fruit gushers and smash them in his room in the basement and, and play NHL. Like a full box. I'm not talking one pack. And I, like, I, but now... And now he's the biggest health freak. So it's it's hilarious how you kind of mature yeah. and get older and understand, you know, what it takes to be, well, for him, you know, one of the top five players in the league. So I could go on and on about stories about we, him. We can go on to the next person. We played a clip of his last night where he was talking about uh, Marner or something. He spoke for 30 seconds and didn't say a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I even said it on the show, and I would say that if he was here. And he would probably be like, yeah, that's, it's, that's kind of how the NHL is now. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Johnny Johnny does that best. He but he's he's grown up a lot. He was uh I felt bad for him. He he dealt with so much media at the age of 14 when he, or whenever he got 14 now when he had that exceptional status to yeah. get in the uh, the OHL and 
I mean, that's tough. You're still a kid at that age. And, was it uh, as big, I though? Imagine. Was it as big as, I remember going to Pete's games, and when the Generals had come to town with Eric Lindros, it was the only time that barn sold out. Was it that crazy like that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, with, with Johnny, too, that one year, when he scored whatever the record was, 72 goals, or it was it was insane. Like, this guy, every game, he, he somehow find a way to score. And I've never played with a guy who's, who's been that hungry to score goals. You know, there's guys who love scoring and love the glory and this and that, but I've never seen a guy so determined, especially around the net, and would take a beating for it because at that time it was still, you have to take a beating in front of the net. Um, you know, you're paying rent in there. Like, it was not, you're not just standing there and getting these tap-ins now, and he took a beating, and I've never met a guy or played with a guy that determined. By the way, the Peterborough Memorial Center is still there, oldest uh, arena in the OHL, and I don't see a new arena coming anytime soon. Okay, that, uh, you, that, you're... What's they that? Need one. That that place is a dump. They oh, you dump one. it in. You dump it into the far end by the restaurant. You don't know where that puck is going. Oh, no chance. Well, I think <laughs> as a defenseman, someone dumps it in. You go to retrieve it. You don't know what bounce that thing's taken. Chances are you're getting your head put through the glass too. Yeah, Not they, they um, are replacing the floor and the board. So I think they're fixing that at least that one problem. Okay, okay so well, you that's a start. <laughs> your rookie season with the Rangers, Sean Avery. <laughs> Oh, I had a feeling that one was going to come. Uh, believe it or not, he was actually incredible to me my first year. Um, so I was 19 years old in New York, and I, I mean, I don't know who, I don't know how Torts let this let this slide or who came up with this great idea, but I actually sat beside him in the locker room, and I don't know if that was maybe a way of keeping him away from me so he wouldn't be coming at me because I'd be beside him, and he liked to get in altercations and. When his, his altercations like to get into it with guys across the room, so that way every, the whole room was involved. So him and Brandon Dubinsky used to used to go head to head every single day about who knows what, just just something that they can argue about, something that they could go at it about. Um, so I sat beside him, but believe it or not, he was actually a great guy. I remember I was nineteen. I I went into New York and I go into the rink, and you know, Longquist is coming in in three piece suits for practice. I'm like, what's what's going on here? Like, I'm wearing sweatpants every every single day, like a slob. Um, and then Aves pulls me aside. He's like, hey, he's like, Deli, like, I'm going to take you shopping. I was like, oh, like, sounds good. Like, I didn't really know any better. And he's taking me to this store and that store, and we're getting clothes. And I remember I got a thousand dollar pair of shoes, dress shoes, and I, I, I still to this day I can't believe I actually went through with the purchase. Like, it was insane at the time, but. <laughs> A phenomenal pair of shoes, and and he was great to me. So I, I can't I can't say a bad thing about him. He was he was awesome to me and helped me out, and especially at that age when you know I was you know a guy a kid coming from Stovall, twenty thousand people, and moving to to the Big Apple was uh, was pretty overwhelming and, and eye opening. And he was uh, he was great to me. I know of more people that like Sean Avery than don't like him. So uh, that's a common trend. Uh, here's another yeah. uh, Rangers teammate, Marion Gabrick. Uh, one of my favorite teammates I ever played with, actually. Uh, one of the nicest guys. Um, amazing to me. I was actually 19. When I was 19 that same year, we had the card table. We had our own plane in New York, which was incredible. And I was at the card table with me, Marion Gabrick, uh, Vinny Prospel, and my partner at the time, Michael Roosevelt. And they had played this European card game which i played a similar one um an italian card game so i actually played with them so i got to know them really well and uh gabrick was the nicest person to me i even have one of my best buddies still to this day talks about how we had gone for dinner and gabby treated my best buddy as if he'd known him for years was asking questions he played you know minor pro and was asking questions and was genuinely interested in him as a human being and there's not many guys that will go out of their way to do that, and um, he's uh, just salt of the earth, just one of the, one of the greatest guys uh, that you'll ever play for. And then obviously on the ice, we had great chemistry, and we played the power play together, and with his speed, is um, one of those guys, like I mentioned before, with Fowler, we were just able to see the ice um, very similarly, and I'd be able to spring him on breakaways just with his speed. He'd find the open gap and, you know, passing, especially at that time on the power play was the strength of my game. So um, it's always nice when you, you have those players where you just see the ice the same way and uh, things just come naturally to you. Vic's next guy, uh, one of the kings of New York in the sports world, Henrik Lundqvist. Um, stallion. What a stallion. <laughs> uh, there's Stallion and probably the most competitive guy I've ever played with, too. He's uh, 
he's extremely competitive, but in a way um, can belittle you at times. You know, there'd be some games, and my, my parents would mention it at home where you're a defenseman, you go down to block a shot, and you, you know, for whatever reason, it gets by you and it goes in, and he's glaring. <laughs> yes, I've TV. seen that. I've seen that. Oh, there's no worse feeling when you have. I mean, especially at that, at that time, like he's still one of the best goalies in, in the game. But at that time, you could say probably the best goalie in the game, the king of New York. Guy looks like a supermodel, and he's just glaring you on <laughs> national TV, just belittling you. And there's there's no worse feeling. But uh, again, super nice guy. Like we had a great team in New York. We didn't really have any bad apples. He was uh, he was awesome. But like I said before, this guy came dressed as, as if he was walking the red carpet every single day. It didn't matter if we were in Buffalo in January or we were in Edmonton <laughs> in, in February, practice day. It didn't matter where we were. This guy was done perfectly. His hair was perfect. His groom was perfect. His beard was perfectly groomed. Had a three-piece on. And <laughs> I you, love you it. Oh, it's insane. It's insane. And uh, pretty impressive that you know every day he's took the effort to make sure he looked like a 10 coming out of the rank. <laughs> you talk about the glare that he gives. It must uh, it must be a skill that defensemen in the NHL acquire because you know the cameras are on you, and if your goalie lets in a bad one, if you just glance at him to see if like his reaction, it might look like you're glaring at him, right? So you just have to look down or into the corner. Uh, I, I mean, I'll let you, you mention I. I've never really thought of that. I've just kind of just, I've glared at them because I know they glare at me. So I think it just works both ways. <laughs> okay. Like everyone makes mistakes. Yeah. You're going to get a glare and it is what it is. You know? Okay. Next one. Another Ranger. Cause you played there. How many, you played there five years, I think. Four um, and a half. Yeah. Four and a half. Uh, Rick Nash. Um, again, another awesome guy, but not a guy that will entertain conversation unless you initiate. He's very, very quiet, especially at the rink, very quiet. But I was fortunate enough that we drove together to the rink quite a bit because we, uh, we lived a couple blocks apart. Um, but a, a super nice guy, very down-to-earth, but um, very, very quiet. And if, if you're not willing to, to entertain a conversation, um, th- there's, there's going to be no conversation. Yeah, that's He's very fine. laid back, and, and that's just kind of his – his personality, but uh, I mean, we still keep in touch to this day, like a super nice guy and probably I'd say one or two, uh, definitely up there, one or two when he was on before he had those concussion problems, uh, most dominant player uh, I played with. Yeah, huge. I've never seen a guy, you get over the blue line with his reach, the way he'd, pay, he'd take the puck to the net, you cannot stop him. It, it was it was impossible and um, like it, it just most nights, like before his injuries, it was just being on the ice with him, or even in practice, it was it was just fun to watch him play. He was just he was just that good. And he uh, likes the ponies too, right? I think doesn't he? Yes. Um, yes. Our co uh, one of our coworkers here at TSN, Marty Biron. <laughs> uh, that guy. Up. Have you ever doesn't seen that guy not smile? I've never seen him not talk. <laughs> it just does. It just doesn't stop. Doesn't stop. Thing about Marty, I think this is public knowledge, but I mean, anyone who's played with him, he still has the same skates. When I play with him, the same skates from junior. And at that time, I don't know, Marty was, I think, 34, like somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. So since junior, a really long time. <laughs> so in order to, to keep any sort of support for his ankles, he would use a full roll of clear tape on each ankle. So think before, like, you know, the sound clear tape makes. Like, it's not. It's yeah, not like you know, it's, it's not like Whitney Houston singing. Like, it's not beautiful. You know? <laughs> no, and, it's a and bad he's sound. Like a full roll, full roll on each ankle. Like, <laughs> so every game, every practice, you're just ready to kill this guy. The most annoying sound, and <laughs> whatever. I guess I guess it worked for him. So you, you can't really say much about it. But that was uh, definitely interesting thing about him. He had these skates that had no business being on his feet. Uh, okay, now moving to the Flyers, where you spent uh, three seasons. Um, three years, yeah. Uh, a friend of Sportsman with Jay and Dan, Claude Giroux. <laughs> awesome. Awesome guy. Again, uh, wizard with the puck. Um, just great captain. All-around great guy. He's not really... Whatever you want to do, he's there. Great golfer. Again, super competitive guy. Loves board games. We used to go out of like, any type of board game. Can he throw a baseball? Of... He can throw a baseball. <laughs> he, he's a natural athlete. That guy can play every sport. Okay. Baseball, uh, soccer, when we played in Philly there, uh, where we played two-touch two soccer before the game, we actually, there's a basketball net there. 
so we fool around, play basketball as well. And he's, uh, yeah, he's great at every sport. I'll give him that. I mean, there's still, if we were to play 10 different sports or 10 different games, I'd, I'd still definitely win. And he'd argue <laughs> that, but uh, it's just how competitive we are. Like there's, you could play the, the dumbest thing, just whatever, shooting a tape ball um, into a bucket, you know, in the practice ring, whatever it may be. He is so competitive. And that's what I love about him. Uh, how this one, uh, you played with uh, on the Flyers and the Blues, so you can kind of uh, two birds with one stone here. Braden Shen. <laughs> Quite a few nicknames. You call him, <laughs> he's got the ra- raccoon because this guy just eats anything. You, you'll, be at, you'll be at a team dinner. You'll have a little bit left on your plate, and before you can finish it, he's coming over the top ropes eating the rest <laughs> of your food. He's an absolute savage, this guy. Him and his brother, I play with both of them. Every single team dinner, every or any dinner you go out on the road, there would always be a mandatory dessert platter. <laughs> you cannot you cannot go to a dinner without having three or four desserts on the table. You maybe get one or two forkfuls, and these guys are smashing the rest of it. These guys are were savages. Um, also known as Scoops, he's got the two of them, but both of them have the most friends in the NHL that I, I've seen. Every rink you go to, they're saying hi to five or six guys on the other team, and they they're like Bob McKenzie. They, they're the insiders. They got Scoops on everyone. They know scoops. everything that's going on before it's before it's out there on Twitter. So they're, uh, they're impressive. That's hilarious. Uh, okay, now moving to your time with the Canucks. Uh, Brock Bessie! Uh Great hair. Um, needs to, uh, I don't know how to put this politely, could use some work on his IQ level. I guess I don't know if, I don't know if there's any better way than that to, to put it. Uh, not the greatest guy. Uh, can, can shoot the puck and has great hair, uh, but a great kid. And we got along really well. And uh, we had a lot of young guys on that team, and I was kind of like the fun uncle. So uh, those guys would come to me about for advice and stuff like that. And, and you were uh, there fun, when he uh, went into the, uh, the boards where the uh, door was open. Yeah, yeah, with his back, yeah. I was there. I, I went to the hospital with him that, that night, actually. Oh, man, that that's, uh, that's, that's yeah, must have been so scary for everyone. Yeah, yeah, it was an unfortunate incident. Uh, and that's, I mean, that's one of, if probably not the worst thing about the game, is you see those injuries, especially when it happens to, you know, close friends and, and teammates. It's it's no fun. Did you yell at well, someone I, for not shutting the door? No, I don't even know who it was, but stuff like that happens. It's <laughs> yeah, a quick game. It does. Uh, he, he was mad, he was mad at himself for trying to actually throw a hit. I told him I like, just put the puck in my mouth. Like no one's asking you to, to, to hit guys. So yeah, so it's his own fault if anything, and he'd be the first to admit it. Uh, another young Canuck. So you spent uh, however many games you played that year. I think you played like just over twenty with the Canucks. Elias Pettersson uh, was very quiet and, and kind of arrogant at first when I met him. Um, you know, I'm a pretty outgoing guy, and I try to make everyone feel. Uh, comfortable, especially at the rink, and love that you know having that family atmosphere as because we are together you know every day, all day for eight months. Um, and I don't know, kind of got a, a weird vibe uh, from him at first, and then as I got as he opened up and he started playing, um, a great kid and a hilarious, a great sense of humor, like very dry, dry sense of humor as you guys have seen from his interviews when he, he gives those glares, and and that's how he is away from the rink, and um, he, he just it takes a little time to kind of crack through the shell and get him to open up. What are his hands like in practice? Oh, silly. Yeah. Some of the stuff, some of the plays he makes in practice, uh, it's silly. Uh, and for a tiny guy, he's, I mean, he's a twig and yeah. he can shoot the puck. <laughs> yeah. He can shoot the puck. Yeah. Um, one of your uh, teammates in Anaheim, legend Ryan Getzlaff. <laughs> awesome guy. I felt bad. One of my first days there, someone had made a comment about my hair, and I made a, a, a comment about bald people, and, and it wasn't even towards him, and I felt so bad, and he kind of like made a comment to me after, and I felt so bad because it was my first day there. I didn't really know a lot of the guys, and then he came to me after. He was like, hey, I was just, I was just pulling your leg a little bit, so I, I felt terrible because obviously there's nothing there. He's got, he's got nothing. <laughs> but um, he shaves it off now. At least he shaves it. Well, exactly. I mean, he's one of the guys that gets it. Like, I, I don't understand these people are just hanging on, hanging on for dear life. It looks terrible. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, so just and, get rid of it. And finally, this was a, a teammate of yours um, in St. Louis. He's a former Toronto Maple Leaf. Uh, Jay and I were working at an event in Saskatchewan, and his parents were at this event, and we hit it off with them. So we've met his parents, but never him, uh, Tyler Bozak. 
how have you guys not met him? Like you, you guys would love him. Just his personality. He's always joking around, playing pranks on guys, you know, laughing, loves stirring the pot. Like he, he's completely your type of guy. Yeah, for sure. Being like a good, a good prairie boy too. Um, awesome guy. Again, like he's all the time. He's playing pranks, making little bets with guys, and he's definitely the life of the room. Well, and, he's from Saskatchewan, he, of course. Is that oh, is that the trend? Yeah, Saskatchewan. They get along with everyone. That's like the, well, the Shens. You said scoops, scoops, scoops. <laughs> you guys, got, you guys got to get some scoops for him. <laughs> Give him a call. He would love. He would love to have have a conversation with you and just let you know what he's been hearing. Okay, we will have not. And before we let you go, um, you are uh, preparing for another NHL season. So, do you have workout partners, or uh, you go to Gary Roberts' garage every day? How do you do yourself? <laughs> no, I do not go to his garage. <laughs> um, I, uh, I train with Matt Nicholas. We my sixth, uh, sixth summer there. We train out of St. Mike's. Um, so it's kind of that you know, little gym at the back of the arena, which which I love about it. It's, it's tiny, um, but it's gritty. You're there, you put your work boots on, and you're there to work. It's not some of these places where you have you know all these bells and whistles and um yeah, because that's for, show. that's for people that just want to go and say they're at the gym and then they can do other stuff and not work out. Exactly, exactly. So we, we have an amazing group there, um, you know, 22, 23 guys. And it's a good setup because we have, you know, obviously the rink there. So we hold all our, all our practices there. We work out there. We have the, the track and the, and the AstroTurf field in the back. So it's nice having everything in one spot. It's very convenient, and as you know, with Toronto traffic working out somewhere and trying to get across town. No chance. Skate, you know, it could be, it could be half your day gone. Right. So yeah. um, the convenience factor is definitely a, a big selling point there, but also, you know, Matt Nickel is in, in my opinion, uh, the brightest mind when it comes to strength and conditioning and, and off ice uh, workouts. So he's been great for me because I used to overtrain when I was younger, I was doing two, three workouts a day and, um, I mean, I look like a Greek god, but uh, <laughs> come, come, and, and I still do. But uh, come September, uh, sorry, come October, November, uh, I was I was already gassed, and we had just started the season. Well, because, I remember uh, I, when I was in Vancouver covering the Canucks, and one camp, Brent Sopel showed up, and they literally said to him, "You you have too much muscle. Go get rid of some of it." Yeah, well, some guys. Uh, that's that's part of the problem. You, you train so hard. And it's not even the, the muscle side; it's your body needs a rest. Like the NHL season is so grueling, so you know, come the off season, you need time to rest. And that's one thing Maddie has been great for me. And he has this this saying he always tells me: um, he's like, you're hammering on the gas, but but the tank's empty, so you're not going anywhere, and you're just doing yourself harm. So rest has been rest and recovery has been probably the biggest change for me, and especially now is. Not to say I'm old, but in the hockey world, older, you know, at 29 and going to my 11th year, is you don't need to be training as hard as uh, or as much as you were maybe you were in 1920. And now it's just more about preservation and um, and not overdoing it or also underdoing it. It's just kind of knowing what the right balance is. And it's like any job, as you get older and gain experience, you know uh, what the perfect balance is. Do you think? Um what the Raptors did with Kawhi Leonard in their championship season with load management. Do you think that will ever come to the NHL? I, I hope not. I, I get it. I get why they did it. And obviously they want, and being a Raptors fan is amazing. Um, but I hope it doesn't come to that because you got to look at it from the other side of things too, as we're trying to grow the game of hockey. Exactly. You want to see the superstars. Exactly. If, especially come, you know, Toronto, you're paying $500 for a ticket and, Edmonton comes to town, you expect to see Connor McDavid. You don't want Connor McDavid to be sitting out because of load management, right? So yeah. I see it from the other side and from the business side, especially with hockey, as we're continually trying to grow the game and catch up with these other sports. Um, I, I just don't, I don't see it getting to that, and I, I hope it doesn't get to that either. Michael Delzato, this was a treat. Uh, we thank you so much for coming on. We've been uh, trying to have you on here forever, and uh, it, it finally worked out. You were going to be here in studio, but you had a, a golf game or a golf tournament to play in today, so it didn't work out, but you were able to get to us by phone, and we really appreciate it. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Hopefully we can uh, keep this a regular thing. Yes, for sure. Thanks, buddy. That's no uh, Michael Delzato of your Anaheim Ducks. Stanley Cup winner with the Blues.
Played for the Canucks. Played for the Flyers. Played for the Rangers. He's done it all. Hey, um, Stoff. Yes? I was away when you guys announced the, the Regina stop on our podcast tour. Mm-hmm. But I did listen to all the podcasts. Can we... Do you still have that in the system, the announcement? Uh, yes. This fall, Jay and Dan are heading out west. The tour of a lifetime is coming to... Where am I? Victoria, Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, Saskatoon, and Winnipeg. And if that doesn't turn your crank... Oh, but apparently that wasn't enough. You asked for it. You begged. Walkouts were staged and hunger strikes commenced. And it was all worth it, Regina. We're adding a brand new stop on our cross-country tour. The Jay and Dan podcast will be in Regina at the Conexus Convention Center on November 15th. I'm so happy. Tickets go on sale Friday, July 26th. So get them while they're hot. I am so fired up. My name's Dan O'Toole, and I support this ad. Oh, wow. I love that. You did a great job with that stuff. You think by now I would have memorized the Jay and Dan podcast tour schedule, but I haven't. Where do we get tickets again? Eventbrite? We need tickets? No. (laughs) Jeez, I'm way behind on this. Yeah, I believe it's eventbrite.ca. Yeah. Can you check that just to make sure? Yeah. Okay. So, it's the Jay and Dan podcast tour celebrating 10 years of podcasting that's good for your year-olds. We are in Victoria, September 20th. Vancouver, September 21st. We're playing the McPherson Playhouse in Victoria. We're playing the Vogue Theater in Vancouver. Ticket sales. While there's some tickets, there's only singles available for those. Sorry, there's a lot. There's a lot available. Was that the right website? Uh, Yeah, so it's eventbrite.ca, but bright is spelled B-R-I-T-E. Ah, that's good. I'm glad you pointed that out. Uh, Okay, October 4th. Calgary, Alberta, and the Bella Concert Hall. We're coming for you. That place is very close to being sold out. Edmonton, October 5th. We're coming for you. The Meyer Horowitz Theater. Ooh, they're neck and neck, Calgary and Edmonton, because they give us the percentages of how many tickets are sold on these, these ticket counts. Neck and neck to who sells out first. Then Saskatoon. Was it September... November 1st. That's at the Broadway Theater. I think, well, that's very close to being sold out. You think I'm bold, yeah, but I'm not. I'm actually not even pulling the wool over your eyes. November 2nd, Winnipeg, Manitoba, the Garrick. Ooh, very strong ticket sales. Still some tickets available. And... That added podcast in which I should have spoke about right after that we had played that, that announcement. Regina, November 15th. The convention hall. Ooh, strong out of the gate, Regina. Maybe the Shens will be there. The Scoops. Hopefully we can still get tickets. <laughs> Imagine I would show up to do a podcast tour and we don't have tickets and are turned away at the gate. That'd be a rough meet and greet after. Hey, lots of tickets available if you want to go down to a Tigers game. But still, for some reason... Still takes a long time to get in. And ticket sellers are still out there. And I don't... I think you can't say the previous name for a ticket seller outside. Mm, Yeah. Probably we should stay away from that because uh, not correct. Uh, Didn't drive a very hard bargain. We got them below ticket value. And I'm like, where is this guy getting these tickets from? And he's not making, he's losing money. Or is the team, I don't know. Well, he's probably getting them at a discount. But they were real tickets that you got? Because on the Rubber Boots podcast, uh, Puffy went down to a baseball game in the States and someone sold him a fake ticket. (laughs) And they also told him to walk all the way way around the stadium to a different gate so that he could take the whole experience in. And by the time he got there, he realized. What a knob. Uh... Took our scooters to the casino, the Greek Town Casino in Detroit. I uh, went to play a little craps because I like to do that. 
Uh, I'd never experienced this in my lifetime. So again, if you're new to the game of craps, you wait until someone just rolled a seven, then you join the game. You don't put your money down while someone's rolling because someone will want to jump across the table and throttle you. They won't say anything, but no one will like you. I played by the rules, waited 20, 25 minutes. Finally, someone rolled, and I'm like, I pony up. A gentleman to my right looks at me. Gentleman uh, to my left looks at me. Uh, they pick up all their chips and went to the other end of the table. Thanks. <laughs> Friends? It's such a social game as well, right? Like They did not want to socialize with me. So uh, I didn't make any new friends in Detroit. I had planned to. Didn't work out, though. Okay, well, uh, it was a fun podcast. Uh, next week, maybe we'll have the two people that didn't show up. Oh, anything's possible. Delzato was a good guest. Awesome guest, yeah. Yeah, we're gonna That was to- a fun name game. And he threw some guys under the bus, which no Absolutely. one ever does yeah, on this you show. I love that, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Stoff, appreciate it. Glad to have you back. What was your favorite thing that happened at the cottage when you were there? Uh, favorite thing? Just sitting on the dock, relaxing, blasting some tunes. Hmm. What's your tunes of choice on the, the dock? Ooh, I go all over the place. I'll go from like 70s rock to 90s hip hop hmm. within the span of an hour. So No current hits? Eh, a little bit here and there. That's more of my wife's uh, domain. She'll put on one of her playlists. No Jonas be like, Brothers? Because they've got some bangers out right now. Are, are the Jonases hot? They, the Jonases Is it are Jonases or Jonas I? The Jonas I's are so hot right now. Well, I, I'll, I'll make sure to cop the new CD. Compact this when it's out. <laughs> I actually heard that on the radio the other day that they were giving away albums, and I'm wondering, how do you give away albums nowadays? Like, do you mail CDs to people, like as a contest or uh, artists vinyl? release them and just put them for free on their uh, websites? I think. Yeah, huh. I don't f- know. Podcasts are free. Oh, I listened to some more podcasts on the way to Detroit. More murder. Well, I mean, whenever I go for a long drive, I I, I text Duffy and I also text uh, Brendo and Norm, uh, writers on the show. Duffy always gives me murder ones. That's Duffy, all right. Yeah, what a creep. Anyway, uh, we'll talk to you next week. It'll be the final podcast in which Jay and I are separated because after he gets back, uh, he's back on Labor Day. We cannot take any time off until Christmas time. So I know we're both going to be thrilled about that. But we'll be reunited in one more podcast. So next week, um, who's going to be with us? I have no clue. We'll see you then. They're going home.
This is the Jay and Dan Podcast. 